Holy Spirit, I just surrender to you today. And then, God, I just pray that the power of your love would just come out today, God. And I pray that every word is surrendered and every word is for you and of you and from you, Father. And I just pray that your spirit will just fill this place today. God, I pray that we put everything else aside, focus on you, focus on your word, and receive what you would have us to receive today. God, I pray that you would use me as your willing vessel. God, I pray that I can get fully out of your way, God, and that you'll just take control and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You ever give somebody a gift? And then a short time later, you see that they have given that gift to someone else. Like they re-gifted your Christmas present that you gave to them. And you're like at the same event, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Or you give somebody a gift, and then like you go to the pawn shop to buy some guitar strings, and you look up there on the shelf, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Or you give somebody something, and then two days later, you see it on the Facebook marketplace. (laughs) It hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, we did that at church. Like, we gave somebody some Christmas presents and saw them on the Facebook marketplace like two days later. And, um, you know, it, uh, it, it, it hurts us as people, right? Because we think that when we give somebody a gift that they should appreciate the gift that we've given them. And from our point of view as people, man, if you're going to appreciate the gift I've given you, then you'll keep that gift. You know, if you, if you really truly appreciate the gift that you've been given... then then you'll keep that gift, you'll treasure that gift. I mean, that gift will mean something to you. It'll mean so much to you that you wouldn't just frivolously give that gift away. And and so when we see somebody take the gift that we've given them and then just, you know, and then just give it away, you know, to somebody else like it means nothing or to to put it up for sale or whatever it is, I mean, and they just get rid of it like it means nothing in their life, you know, it, it, it hurts us a little bit. You know, it hurts us because it makes it seem like that the gift that we have given them means nothing to them. But God, God doesn't look at it that way. You see, from our point of view, we we feel like that you should just take what you've been given and hold on to it. Aren't you glad that God is not like people? See, from God's point of view, the greatest thing that you can ever do with the gift that he has given you is to give it away. The most incredible way to honor the giver is for you to become like uh, the giver. The greatest thing that you can ever do with the gift that God has bestowed on you is to quickly, powerfully, and often give it away just as much as you possibly can. Can you say amen? Because that's what the gifts of God are for, to be shared. The gifts of God are not to be hoarded. The gifts of God are not to be set up on a pedestal and looked at. The gifts of God are not to be locked away where no one can see them. Oh no, the gifts of God are meant to be given. Can you say amen? Yeah, man, give God praise for that because it's so true. It's so true. So true. You know, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 47, I like to quote it a lot. J.R. Beckley wrote a song about it. And, and, and what it says in there is there's this stream that flows from the temple of God. It's this stream of the power of the Holy Spirit, and it flows from the temple of God. And everywhere that the river of life flows, it brings life, right? It brings life. It, it, the, the, root, the trees suck it up into their roots, and they, and they bear fruit of the Spirit, and their leaves are for healing. It, it goes in, into every place, even flows into the Dead Sea, and brings life where there was none before. And as long as that river of life flows, it brings life to everything that it touches. The only place that it doesn't bring life is the place where it stops flowing. 
It says in that scripture in Ezekiel 47 that that, that that river of life flows into some swamps and into some bogs and it ceases to flow. And when it ceases to flow, it ceases to bring life. When it stops flowing, it actually starts to bring death to the things that are there. You think about a swamp and you think about how disgusting and, 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 and smelly and awful that it is. Well, that swamp is a semblance of our life. As long as we remain a conduit to the river of life that flows from the temple of God, we'll bring life into everything that we touch. We'll bring life everywhere that we go. But the moment that you start hoarding up the love of God for yourself and you stop letting it flow through you, then all of a sudden you cease being a conduit, you cease being a stream of the river of life, and you become a swamp and a bog and a place where dead things live. Can you say amen? That's not what we want to be. In order to honor the giver of the gifts, we need to become like the giver of the gifts. And to become like the giver of the gifts, it means that we have to give everything that he has given us. Moms are givers, man. Moms are givers. They just are. Moms are givers. Not, not to mention that they give us life to start with. I mean, the dad does a little something, but it don't amount to much. The mom does the majority of the work. Now, tease Angela and say that she's baby storage. She's a lot more than that. I mean, the baby literally draws its life from the mother. It, it draws its sustenance and its nourishment and its, its blood flow and its oxygen and its water and everything that it needs. It draws from its mother. She's a giver the very second that she becomes a mom. She's a giver at that moment. And then they actually give the child into the world. And that's just where the giving begins. Man, moms are givers of love. Moms are givers of love, man. They pour out love. And when I say moms, I don't just mean people that, that have children of their own. I mean any, you know, woman that, that you know, has an opportunity to be influenced in somebody's life. I mean, you know, you women, you, you moms, you're, you're givers. Moms are givers of love. Moms are givers of healing. Do you know that? Won't nothing heal like a mama's kisses. Titus will be like, I got a boo-boo. And he goes running to mama. And mama kiss it, man. She's, he's been healed in Jesus' name. Except lately, we don't give kisses for boo-boos at our house anymore. Guess what we do? When Titus gets a boo-boo, everybody gather around and lay hands on him and pray healing over him. But mama's still the ultimate healer. He runs to mama, and mama lays hands on him. In Jesus' name, Titus is healed. And he's like, wow, awesome, and there he goes. Mamas are givers. Mamas are givers of hope. Because mama still believes in you when nobody else does. When the whole world is done giving up on you, mama still believes in you. I see some people nodding their heads like, yep. And some of you are still believing right now, aren't you? Yeah, I know. I know. Some of you are still believing right now. The whole rest, yeah, I know. The whole rest of the world is done giving up on that prodigal child. They think they're going to stay out there in the far country. Mama's like, nope. Nope. You know, in the prodigal son story in Luke 15, how it says the father was watching on the porch. Mama didn't have to watch. She already knew. Mama's not even in the story. She didn't have to watch. She already knew that that boy was coming home. She already knew. She already knew because she had hope because mamas are givers of hope. You know, mamas believe in you when nobody else does. You know that, that old saying that you got to face only a mama with love? Because she's got hope you're going to find somebody still. She got hope. She got hope. Worked for me, praise God. I'm married way up. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I see you clapping. You did too. 
Come on. Married way up. Mamas are givers of money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mama showed up and was like, I'm going to help you pay this bill one more time, but do not tell your father. Yeah, I know, I know. I see mamas up there going, yeah, mamas are giving some money. When nobody else will give you anything, it's where you could go to get some money when you need to pay that bill, when you need to pay that thing that you need to pay that nobody else is going to help you with. Mama's going to come off of it even if it costs her. Even if she ain't got it, she's going to come up with it. Mamas are givers. Mamas are givers of advice. Whether you want it... Or not they're givers of advice and then when your wife becomes a mama she becomes the best giver of advice that shirt is wrinkly she says not this one see this one's pressed and that's the argument we have most before church starts that shirt is wrinkly and that's like a condemnation, you know what I mean? Not of me, but just of the shirts. Like, it must be removed, right? You know, it, it has no presence here. But mamas are givers of advice, whether you want it or not. Even more than that, man, mamas are givers of children. And it, I, I don't just mean the, the birthing process, although amazing. Awesome what women can do that nobody else on earth can do. Can you say amen? I mean, awesome what they can do that none of us could do. When God needed something done, huh? When God needed something done, as something that all of us needed done, he went to Mary because couldn't nobody else do it. Right? And she got it done. But even more than that, they pour into these children so that they can be released into the world. They give of themselves into these kids so that they can be released into the world. Let me give you some examples. So Abraham and, and Sarah... God, God finally, I've been saying a lot of funny stuff. You'll hear about it later, so. <laughs> uh, but, so, so Abraham and Sarah had, had wanted a baby uh, this whole time, and God had promised that they were going to give them Isaac. And so God gave them the gift of Isaac. But then when it was time for Abraham, Abraham to take Isaac up the hill, Sarah just had to give him and let him go. You know, um, God gave Moses' mother starts with a J and ends with an A-O-B-E-T-H or something like that. I can't say it. But when God gave Moses' mother the gift of Moses, she did her best to raise him because he was a beautiful, wonderful child, even under the threat of death and the threat of oppression and the, debt, the, the threat of all kinds of other persecution that was going to come her way. She, she took this child and she raised it and she reared it. But then there came a time that she knew she was going to have to put him in that basket and send him on down the river. She gave him. Gave him into the hands of Pharaoh's daughter to be raised so that he could be the salvation of Israel from the kingdom of Egypt. You know, when Hannah came into the church and was praying, oh God, give me a baby, oh God. And she was down on her knees and she was up here at the altar and she was screaming so bad that the priest thought she was drunk. And Eli came in there and said, what are you doing showing up at the church in the middle of the day drunk? And she was like, I ain't drunk. I'm praying that God is going to give me a baby. Maybe she was drunk, but it was drunk in the spirit. Can you say amen? And she was crying out to God, God, if you just give me this baby, I'll give it right back to you. And God gave her the gift of Samuel. But then she took that child. And she gave it right back to God. And then God, through Samuel, anointed Saul as the first king of Egypt. And then, anon and then later, Samuel anointed David as the true king of Egypt that would create the lineage that would give us the, I mean, you know, of Israel, excuse me, that, that you know, was the true king of Israel. 
And then through him came the lineage that would give us the king of all kings and lord of all lords. Can you say amen? And then there's the ultimate example. The ultimate example. God gave Mary the greatest gift that could have ever been given. That by the power of the Holy Spirit that she would be the mother of our Savior. The mother of the Son of God. The mother of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The ultimate sacrifice. The Lamb that would be given as a sacrifice for the sins of all people. Man, the one that would save us and make a way where there was no way. The one that is the King for all time. The Lord of glory. Jesus Christ himself. And she gave birth to him and laid him in a manger. She took him and she swaddled him and she loved him and she poured over him and she did everything for him. And she took him to the temple and she presented him at the temple and and the prophet there at the temple said man this baby is going to bring the rise and fall of many and he's going to be the glory of God and he's going to be the power of love and he's going to save us all and he is the Messiah and I can die now because I've seen him because I don't need anything else because he is all these things and he's going to be all these things by the way your heart is going to be pierced so we asked that question at Christmas time Mary did you know she knew she knew she knew that she was going to get some time to experience this precious gift but that the time was going to come that she was going to have to give the gift back to the world and to the Father see she knew she knew But the greatest way that we can ever honor the gift that we have been given is to become like the giver. The greatest way that we can honor God who is the glory of of all creation, who is the Father of of light, who all great gifts come from, the greatest way that we can ever honor Him is to become like Him and to freely give what we've been given. Could you stand for the reading of God's Word today? I'm in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and the Bible says this. Uh, This is Paul's last letter that he would ever write. And so Paul is in prison, he's facing execution, and he is speaking to the man that is going to essentially take his place, his child in the faith. The one that's going to rise up and lead the church in Ephesus. The one that is going to be uh, the man of God that is going to take this mantle over. And he says this to his son in the faith. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. When I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears I long to see you so that I may, may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now... I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Huh? We didn't even plan that, did we, sister? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. 
which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able, say he is able, to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Father, release this word in here. God, I pray you release this word in here that it will be received by every man, every woman, every child, every person in this sanctuary, every person online. God, I pray we would receive this word. We would be empowered by the gift and that we would freely give everything that you have given us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, let's give God a shout of praise this morning. And you may be seated in his presence. Ah, I'm not asking you to give something that you haven't been given. I'm only asking you to give exactly what you have been given. I'm not asking you to scrounge something up on your own like, oh man, I better scrape together what I can and see if I can't find something to give back to the Lord. No, 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 no. I'm only asking you to give what you've been given. I'm asking you to become a giver of the things of God in your life. Just to become a conduit, just a holding area, just a shipping service, if you will, of the things of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We shouldn't be given fear. We should not be purveyors of fear on the earth. Because God has not given us that. And if God hasn't given it to you, I'm saying you shouldn't be giving it to anybody else. So we shouldn't be out there spreading fear. We shouldn't be out there spreading doubt or pain or shame or bitterness or loneliness or any of those things because none of those things come from God. Why would we, as followers of Christ, go around in the world giving out things that we haven't been given by God? I'm only asking you, what are those things? Power. Power. God's given us power. And so we should be conduits of the power of God here on the earth. We should be conduits of strength here on the earth. Christ followers, people are watching you. People are watching how you react to the things that happen in the world. And if you react in a big bunch of selfishness and throw a baby fit, guess what? That's a reflection on who they think that your God is. So be a mature, strong Christian and when something happens at your life, take it to the foot of the cross. Respond in prayer. Respond in, in faith. Can you say amen? amen? And by doing that, you are a conduit of the power of God on the earth. You're showing them the kind of power that he has because he makes it known in us. Not only that, man, but to be a conduit of his power, we should be doing the things that he's called us to do. Man, Jesus Christ said, you're going to do greater things even than what I've done. When's the last time you did something greater than what Jesus has done? That is available to us. And we can be conduits of that power. Man, we should be laying hands on people and praying that they're healed and delivered and empowered in Jesus' name. Man, we should be taking the gospel to the farthest reaches of the earth. 
We should be out there living this whole thing out by the power of God, doing things that we never imagined that we could do because we're not doing it on our own. I got a reminder of that last night, that I'm not doing this on my own, that I don't have to stand up here on my own, that I'm not responsible for doing this on my own, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that drives us and leads us and empowers us and equips us and goes before us and goes behind us and goes to the side of us and he's our fire in the night and he's our cloud in the day and he's everything that we could ever want to have. Yeah, man, he deserves it. He deserves it. Ephesians 6, 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me take a bunch of stress off you guys today. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to do this on your own. Man, if you're fighting like the song they sang, golly, it came together good. You're not doing this on your own. You don't have to fight this battle. Best thing you can do is just praise God through it all. Best thing you can do is just surrender to Him and just stay still and know that He is God. But then once you have that revelation of who He is, then it's time to move. You get it? Like when it says be still and know that I'm God, it doesn't mean just stand there and wait. It means stand there and wait until you realize who you're dealing with. Stand there and wait until you realize what kind of God it is that we serve and what kind of power it is that is available to you in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? And then once we grasp that, once we realize the kind of power that is available to us in Jesus Christ, we realize that the obstacles in our life aren't nearly as big as we thought that they were. The, the giants and the demons that we have to battle, they're not near as scary looking as we thought that they were. And then those, those ravines that we have to cross, it ain't near as far to the other side as you thought that it was. Because when you have the power of Jesus Christ on your side, you realize that the things of this natural world, they don't mean anything when compared to my God. Say amen. I know this sounds cliche, but I just like it. I demand, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell them problems just how big that your God is. Can you say amen? Second Kings chapter 6, right? Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha's out there and his servant's like, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? There's so many. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And Elisha's like, Lord, did you just let him see? Did you just let him see what I can and all of a sudden, his eyes were opened, and he saw chariots of fire, and he saw angels, and the power of God available to them on all the mountainsides, on all the hillsides. And all of a sudden, that little army didn't have near as much power as it did before. And if we can grasp that in our lives, realize that the government ain't got near as much power as we thought it did. We'll realize that that dope that's been slaving you in, it ain't got near as much power as you thought it did. That them, that, that, that almighty dollar that thinks it's control of everything, as it originally thought that it was. Because when we compare all those natural world or, or spirit of darkness kind of things to the eternal and powerful spirit of the living God, it ain't got nothing. It ain't got nothing on my God. It ain't got nothing on my God. Because he's the one that can do all things. Man, he spoke all this stuff into existence. And you know what? If he felt like it, he would unspeak it all out of existence. You understand that? And it's only because of the great love that he has that he doesn't. And that's the second thing that he gives us as a gift is his love. 
And so if you've experienced the love of God, then it's your great opportunity to pour out the love of God. Man, as Christians, we have gotten so much love from Him, and we've gotten so much grace from Him, and we've gotten so much mercy from Him. Man, why would we pour out bitterness and strife and anger and all those things when we've been given a spirit of love? We've been given a spirit of love. So what's going on in here if I've been given a spirit of love that flowed from this cross, but the only thing that flows out of me is hate and apathy and anger and sin and all that that's just gluttonous, terrible things. What, what is going on in here? What's going on? I'm not asking you to give things that you aren't given by God. What if we all, what if we all just started giving to others what God has given us instead of all that other junk? What if we just became conduits of God? What if I was just a picture that was just filled up with the love of God and constantly pouring out on everywhere, on every person that I came in contact with, in every situation that I found myself in, just a conduit for the love and the, the just the love, just the love, the love of God. I mean, I was talking to a dear brother the other night that says that, that he has a friend that he's been trying to get him to come to church. And then he's, he's telling about our church. He's like, Mommy, you don't understand. He's like, man, they got the love of God, the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. Never mind. That's a... <laughs> They've got the love of Jesus there, and, and, and they would love you. And this guy's like, no, man, I can't go. I, I, I'm afraid they're going to judge me. Dude. And I preached this yesterday under the bridge, man. How did we get here? How did we get to a place as the church of Jesus Christ? As, as a church that was birthed out of the biggest mess you've ever seen with a bunch of rascals the world didn't want nothing. How did we as the church get to a point where people are afraid to come in here because they're afraid they're going to get stones thrown at them? How? And yeah, maybe not our church as much as some, but, but our church is part of the church. You understand? Or we're, we're, we're Nate's, and, and like I said at the National Day of Prayer the other day, man, it's not our church and their church and this church, it's the church. And yeah, we can change our church and praise God that we have and will continue to, and hopefully we can be a conduit and a catalyst to change amongst the rest of the body of Christ. But how did we as the body of Christ get to the point where people are afraid to come into what's called a sanctuary? You hear me? A sanctuary. They're scared to come into a sanctuary because they're afraid that the children of God are going to judge them. Where do we get to the point where our sin doesn't stink, Right? How do we get to that point in life? I mean, how do we get that stigma surrounding us to where we think that, that somebody else's sin is worse than our sin and that they don't, that, that they don't you know, need Jesus worse than us? Or, or even this, man, if they do need Jesus worse than us, shouldn't we love them even more? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we love them even more? Man, if I think somebody is like really broken in sin, shouldn't that make me just want to gush love on them just more than ever before? I mean, shouldn't it? What kind of state... It's Christianity, and here's what it is. We've been given something that we have not been given by God. If you've been given, if, if God has judged you, then fine, go judge people. If God has poured his wrath out on you, fine, go pour God's wrath out on people. If, if God has poured out bitterness and spite on you, then fine, go pour out bitterness and spite on people. If, if, if God has hated you, then fine, I, you, from your pastor, you get a free card. If God has hated you, then go hate people. 
Any takers? No? But if God has loved you, you hear what I'm saying? If God has loved you, then it's time to go love somebody. Because there's somebody out there that is waiting for God's love and it's waiting and, and they're waiting for you to be the conduit of that love into their life. If God has poured out mercy on you, then it's time for you to have mercy on somebody else. Yeah, they may not be doing things the way that you want them to. They may owe you a bunch of money. Yeah, they, you, you know, you may owe them a kick in the pants for the things that they've done to you. Guess what? Mercy. If God's given you mercy, it's time for you to be a conduit of that mercy out there in the world. Not by your strength. By his. I'm not asking you to do this on your own. You can't. I can't either. I can't either. But by his grace, by his glory, you can. If God has given you grace, if God has given you unmerited favor, if God has given you a kind of one-way love that, you, that he didn't expect nothing in return for, guess what? He's asking you to turn that spigot on in your life and leave it on. He'll pay the bill. Leave it on. Leave, that, leave the water of God's love on in your life. He will pay the bill. Guess what? He already did. But if God has given you those things in your life, I'm asking you to give those things in your life and nothing else. Nothing else. Give the things God has given you and do not give the things that God has not given you. The things that are not of God belong in the trash somewhere. They belong in the trash somewhere. But the things that God has given you, you are to become a giver of. And that is the best way in your life that you can become more like God. You know, the Bible says in the scripture I read, he's talking about how much he loves Timothy, and he's like, I, I can't wait to see you because it fills me with joy. And I'm so blessed that you have this faith that started in your grandmother Lois and was given by her, understand? was given by her to her daughter Lois and then was given by her daughter Lois to you, her son, Timothy. The faith God gave to her and then she transferred it to her daughter and then her daughter transferred it to her daughter or her son. And that's the way. And, and then now he's asking Timothy, now it's time for you to rekindle the gifts of God in you. You know, both the faith that you've been given by your family and also the gift of the Holy Spirit that I transferred to you by the laying on of my hands. It's time for that to re be rekindled in you so that now you can go out into all the world and give what you've been given. Can you say amen? And wait, church, that's the charge that I want to give all of you today. Give what you've been given. If you've been given the gift of faith in God, you need to transfer that gift of God. Not just to your children. See, that was last week. We talked about the generations last week. No, no, no. I'm talking about the mission of a Christ follower this week. That's your mission. Not just to transfer to your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and nephews. No, 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 no. I want you to give this gift to everybody that you have any kind of contact with in your life. I want you to transfer this gift of faith to the people that you know at work, to the people see at school to the folks that you run into when you're out on the street to the people you see at the gym to the people next on the table next to you at the restaurant to all the people that are connected to you on the stupid social media won't you use it for something that's the glory of god 
I want you to do this in every aspect of your life just to give what you've been given. I mean, how much is simpler of a request can I make? How much more simple of a request can God make? Just give what you've been given. Just give what you've been given. If you've been given the blood of Christ, if you've been given the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you've been given healing, if you've been given restoration, if you've been given empowerment, if you've been given eternal life, if you've been given resurrection, if you've been given the kingdom of God to dwell within you just go and give people that can you say amen just go and give people that just go and give people that and here's the kicker the more you give the more you'll get because we serve a God that never runs dry we serve a God that shows up right on time he ain't like FedEx he don't show up a day late and a dollar short sorry we had to go but never mind <laughs> He's always right on time. Talk about just-in-time inventory. Some of you factory guys know what I'm talking about in that. Talk about just-in-time inventory. My God is that kind of God. And his delivery plan is to give it to you right when you need it. Right when you need it. Man, I pray that my vase doesn't even get poured out. Man, I pray it has a big old crack in it so it just runs. So it just runs. So that he constantly feels. So that he constantly feels because that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that we serve. And here's the ultimate truth. That we've been given the most incredible gift that could ever be given. Guys, and this, this scripture, man, so powerful. So powerful, it lays it all out. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering sharing suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, for which he has given us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Can you hear all the gifts of God we've been given in this? Number one, we've been given Jesus. Number two, we've been given grace and we've been given purpose. Number three, we've been given, uh, we've been given uh, the abolishment of death. We've been given life and immortality. We've been given light. We've been given the gospel. And we have been appointed as heralds and apostles to this truth. And I've believed, and, and, and I love this part, but I'm not ashamed because I know who I believed. I know who I believe, and I'm persuaded he's able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Yeah. You've been given the greatest gift that could have ever been given, and that is the gift of his son. He didn't even withhold his son, but he gave him. He gave him to you. And all he wants you to do is to receive him and then to give him away. To give him away. And in that, we become like him. Because, guys, the greatest way 
to honor the ultimate giver is to become like the ultimate giver. The greatest way to bless God is to give away what He has given you. Carrie, could you come back up, man? And so today, I've been given the honor to give this gospel message to you. To anybody out there that has never received it. To anybody out there that has never truly understood and received this gift that was paid for at such a dear price. My honor to be like Him. So if you're here today and you've never truly received the gift of grace offered by our Savior Jesus Christ, let today be the day let today be the day. Let today be the day you receive that gift so that then you can take and re-gift. I won't be offended. And neither will he. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me and you and everybody that you will ever know. You know how many sins it takes to separate us from God? This gospel is for the ones that need it the most and the ones that think they need it the least. Because the wages of sin are death. Jesus said to the Pharisees, and these were the church folk, in John chapter 8, Jesus said to the Pharisees, if you die without me, you're going to die in your sin. And if you die in your sin, you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But the gift of God, you hear that word again? The gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he showed his great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you're at your best, when you're at your worst. Not when you were sitting on the front row in the church with your Bible open like Johnny here. No. He died for you when you were out there running up and down the roads, going places that you weren't supposed to be and doing things you weren't supposed to do. He didn't die for you when you were, when he was on the forefront of your mind. He died for you when he wasn't even on your mind. Do you understand? When he was hanging on that cross, he died for you. And you were on his mind when he wasn't anywhere close to yours. That's how great his love is. But how do we get there? There's got to be a lot to it, right? To get this gift. I mean, we've got to earn it, right? I mean, we've got, to, we've got to earn it. We've got to jump through a bunch of hoops, right? 
We've got to fill out an application. I mean, surely we've got to have some, some references that they've got to check, right? I mean, surely. I mean, this is a pretty important thing, right? I mean, shoot, we've got to fill out a bunch of paperwork to buy whatever. No? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that we've been saved. Not by works so no one can boast. So how do we get there, man? My, my Bible says in Romans 10 and 13, all that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All? Even me? Even you? Even you watching online? But how? But how? Romans 10 and 9 says this. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead by the power of God and you confess with your mouth that he is the Lord of your life then you will be saved will be saved not might be not could be not should be will be will be saved now see some people want to lead on no, i've got to still got to do something i got to stop doing this i got to start doing this no no i believe something supernatural happens i i believe that your life is traded for his life on this cross can you say amen and i believe that when you do that when you truly surrender by faith to him it's no longer you that live but it's he that lives in you